0: Cosmos Science. News, magazine. Podcasts, video and features. It seems quite breezy to me. Apparently it's a fairly calm day up here. I wouldn't like to be out here exposed when they were really making bank, I guess. I'm told the wind's blowing at about 8 metres per second, and I am standing underneath a colossal metal turbine. It's not moving, but I'm looking down at a ridge full of other turbines that are spinning around in the wind, and I am absolutely windswept. I can also see sheep from my vantage point, some bright yellow canola fields out against all the green. I'm Ellen Fidian, a journalist in the Cosmos newsroom, and you're listening to Cosmos Debunk's. We take big topics, like electric cars, and blow away what's not true. Before we get into this episode, I want to ask for a small favour that will make a massive difference. We love debunking all your science myths, but we can't do it without subscribers. So if you're enjoying the show, please press follow in your podcast app and rate and review the show. Okay, let's get back to it. I'm at a wind farm about an hour and a half's drive away from Adelaide to ask a question that has plagued the electric vehicle conversation for years. Are some petrol and diesel cars actually more sustainable than electric because of Australia's dirty power generation?
1: No, I I don't know, but I've, I've read that running an electric vehicle purely on coal is worse than diesel. I don't know if that's true. No idea.
0: This is Tim Ross. He's an asset engineer at the wind farm we're currently poking around in. It's worth noting that he's an expert in wind turbines, not electric vehicles or EVs.
1: Yeah, the tip of the blade to the sky is about 135 meters. This wind farm, it produces the equivalent of 80,000 homes. But in the context of this, I Googled it this morning. It, it can do the equivalent of about charging about 20,000 Model 3 Teslas in
0: a day. Being at a wind farm is a lot of fun, but if we're being honest, the energy mix powering our industries, houses, and electric cars isn't always so green. So to understand how sustainable electric cars are really, we first need to unpack how our electricity is made. If I check out the Australian energy market operator, they tell me that in the last 12 months, Australia has powered itself with 15% wind. Not bad. 7% solar and 9% hydro. That's great, right? But I've left off the two biggest parts of the graph, black and brown coal. They make up 63% combined. I mean, it's not 100%, which is a good start, but it feels like we've got a long way to go to get our emissions to zero. Luckily, not everyone is as pessimistic about this as I am.
1: The penetration of renewable energy into our grid is rising all the time. So at the moment, we're basically literally seeing the grid get cleaner by the day.
0: This is Dr. Jennifer Rayner, she's Head of Advocacy at the Climate Council.
1: The percentage of renewables that there are in the grid also really varies by where you are in Australia. So where I live in the ACT, we meet 100% of our electricity needs from renewable sources. Tasmania has been 100% renewable for a few years now. South Australia is up at about 70% on average, and there are lots of days now when they're meeting all of their supply from renewables. So it does depend a bit on where you are around Australia.
0: Okay, so our renewables are getting better. But if you're an EV owner charging your car from the grid in, say, Victoria or Queensland, Is it greener than an internal combustion car?
1: There's research that indicates that even if you're powering an EV from the grid, which might be using a mix of power sources, that is still significantly cleaner than driving a petrol car, which is spewing out the emissions associated with its internal combustion engine. This is a really big question in electric vehicles, as I'm sure you're aware, and so there has been quite a lot of research done into it. The International Council on Clean Transportation had a look at this question across different energy markets. So they looked at the US and Europe and um, in China and India even, places where the grid is still pretty reliant on fossil fuels. And uh, what that found was that if you're charging an EV off the grid in Europe, your emissions are still about 70% lower than if you're driving a petrol vehicle. And even in India, where the grid is really heavily reliant on coal still, driving an EV would be between 20 and 35% cleaner than driving a petrol vehicle. So even taking that grid charging into account, it's still a significantly cleaner option.
0: Before all the EV enthusiasts out there send me furiously typed emails, it's worth noting that many EV drivers don't charge their electric cars from the grid. Because for now, EV owners tend to skew wealthier. Many own their own homes and have solar panels, which they use to charge their vehicles. Solar charging means that an EV's fuel source really is close to zero emissions.
1: There tends to be a correlation at the moment between income and people having adopted these technologies, whether it's rooftop solar or it's an electric vehicle. And so people who are a bit more financially comfortable tend to be the ones who've taken this up so far and who might be in a position to have both of those technologies working together. One of the really big challenges as we go forward with the clean energy transition is making sure that that's no longer the case, that we get the benefits of clean energy and clean transport extended as widely as possible across our community.
0: But it's not just about driving the car when it comes to emissions. When I was looking into EV energy rumours, manufacture is also an issue that regularly crops up. The line is that EVs take more emissions to be able to make, so you'd need to drive them more to be able to recoup the energy required. Luckily, Jennifer has an answer for this too.
1: It's absolutely true that the production process for manufacturing EVs mean that it can produce something like 80% more emissions in the manufacturing process than an equivalent petrol car. But over the life cycle of a vehicle, the vast majority of the emissions come from driving it around.
0: It's worth understanding why EVs are so much more emissions intensive to make.
2: More coming up after this.
0: A petrol car has a lot of bits. A fuel tank, a spark-ignited engine, a lead-acid battery to start the car, and an electronic control module to make sure that everything is working as it should. But all these sections are relatively easy to manufacture. It's mostly just metal, glass and plastic. The vast majority of what is inside an electric car, though, is the battery. In a Tesla Model 3, for example, the battery uses almost 3,000 lithium-ion cells and is a whopping 500 kilograms. Depending on the car, there's around 8 kilograms of lithium, 35 kilograms of nickel, 20 kilograms of manganese and 14 kilograms of cobalt, which all use fossil fuels to mine. Plus, they have to be heated to high temperatures to be used. If we go back to that Tesla Model 3, building the 80 kilowatt hour battery produces between 2.5 and 16 metric tons of CO2. That's a big range, I admit, but it depends on whether the energy source used to heat the minerals is renewable.
1: So their manufacturing may be more emissions intensive, but as you're driving them around, even if you're charging off a grid that is still reliant on coal and gas, you're producing significantly less emissions.
0: So, according to Jennifer, EVs are better in most circumstances, even if you take the manufacturing into account. Case closed.
2: Wait, Ellen!
0: I found something that you need to see. This is Jacinta. They're producing this series. This is the first time they've butt in when we're recording, though, so what's the matter? Okay,
2: so I was doing some fact-checking here and making sure that electric vehicles were actually more sustainable. So, to double-check, I went to this Australian government calculator that compares how green two vehicles are. It's called the Green Vehicle Guide.
0: Okay, so what did this guide say?
2: So this is a bit of a long-winded story, but I knew that the new Mini Cooper had an electric version because I saw an ad for it on the way to work the other day. I bike. I wasn't in my car. And I wanted to compare the Mini Cooper S, which is petrol, with the Mini Cooper SE. So that's the electric one. I figured that it was a good analysis, right? Because the two cars are basically the same. One is just electric.
0: Seems like you're a little bit mini crazy here, but let me bring this up and check. So... I'm looking at the green vehicle guide, and it compares the two cars. It measures a bunch of different factors. There's the tailpipe CO2 emissions, and in the electric mini column, that's just an N slash A there, fair enough. Yeah, because, you know, tailpipe emissions
2: don't make sense in an electric
0: vehicle. For sure, for sure. There's the annual fuel cost. The EV is around half of that of the pe- petrol car. Cheap, love it. But if we scroll all the way down to the bottom, there's the fuel life cycle for CO2.
2: Yeah, perfect. So this doesn't include the manufacture of the car itself, but it does include all emissions used to produce and then use either the electricity or the petrol. Have you seen the problem yet? The electric mini releases 136 grams of CO2 per kilometre, whereas the petrol mini has 134. The green vehicle guide is therefore telling us that the petrol mini beats out the electric mini by two grams per kilometre. Okay,
0: that's weird. Jennifer was so sure that EVs were better in almost every market. So who's right? I know. We need to get to the bottom of this. So Jacinta emailed the federal government infrastructure media team, and this is what they said. Fuel lifecycle
2: emissions estimates for all vehicles are calculated from the vehicle's fuel or energy consumption and the relevant national greenhouse account factors. Estimates for electricity use are based on the national average emission factors. These are currently based on the 2021 edition. However, we plan to reflect the latest estimates in due course.
0: Okay, so if I'm reading this right, this is an estimate across the whole country and we know that some areas are better than others for the amount of renewables in their
2: grid. Yeah, exactly. The other thing that's really important here is they're using estimates from 2021. So that's two years ago now. And as Jennifer said, we're getting greener by the day. If we look at renewable penetration, so that's the maximum amount of renewables in the grid at any one time, We've gone from around 50% at the start of 2021 to 65% in 2023. Okay, so the Green Vehicle Guide is probably just a bit
0: out of date because of how fast our energy is becoming more renewable. Plus, there's another surprise when it comes to the government, our fuel standards.
1: I think Australia and Russia are the only two countries in the developed world that don't have these efficiency standards.
0: This is Dr. Hussain Deer. You would have heard him in the last episode about whether EVs ruin the weekend. Essentially,
1: car manufacturers can dump any vehicle into Australia. For example, in the European market, they're penalised if they sell on average above a certain level. In Australia, they can sell any vehicle that is not accepted in other markets. And essentially, we become a
0: dumping ground. This is both petrol and electric, by the way. So not only do we end up with fewer electric vehicles in the market for Australia, it means that our petrol cars can emit more emissions than an equivalent car in Europe. But the government is making changes. They've recently released the electric vehicle strategy and they're now working on new emission standards. So hopefully we won't be the car industry's dumping ground forever. This is all well and good, but we now know that although EVs are greener than petrol, they're not really zero emissions. Jennifer told me that the greenest solution to EV sustainability isn't really about cars at all.
1: In order to cut transport emissions really rapidly this decade, we can't just rely on people moving from petrol vehicles to electric vehicles because the turnover of our fleet will be too slow to see emissions come down as fast as we need them to. The way we're actually going to get there is by people using a mix of different transport options for more of their trips more often. What we found was that to cut emissions by 75% by 2030, which is what we need to do to make real progress on harmful climate change, we would need to roughly halve the number of trips that Australians make by car and see a massive uptake in active transport like walking and cycling and public transport like the bus, the train, or the ferry. That's a big shift, but we can get there by Australians thinking about how they get around and choosing the right sort of transport for the type of trip that they're making. So for example, uh, often people will drive to the shops, they'll drive to drop their kids at school, they'll drive to weekend sport, they'll drive to work, It might be possible for people in a lot of cases to use different types of transport for all of those trips. And so thinking about moving people, not cars, is going to have to be a big piece of the puzzle in reducing transport emissions.
0: So did we answer our question? I think we can say that the answer to are EVs more sustainable than petrol or diesel is definitely a yes. I think that the
1: meme or the idea that goes around about the grid being dirty and therefore EVs being no better really is thinking that reflects a former state, but one that is no longer the case and one that is becoming even less the case day by day. And so I think calling that out to the fore would be super valuable as part of this conversation because it's just one of those things that people were right about once, but they're not anymore.
0: But, as Jennifer says, it's not quite as simple as swapping everyone over from a petrol engine to an electric one. Like most things, we need to think more holistically about our transport system. And once I get home from the wind farm, it's probably worth leaving the car at home. Coming up, we're looking at the final piece in the EV puzzle. Can EVs be recycled? Or are we going to be crushed under the environmental weight of them? This episode was produced by Jacinta Bowler, edited by Helen Karakulak, and hosted by me, Ellen Fidian. If you enjoyed the show, let us know by rating or writing a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Follow us in your favourite podcast app so that you know when our next episode drops. The Royal Institution of Australia is on Ghana land in South Australia. If you want more science, check out our website, cosmosmagazine.com, and follow us on Instagram at cosmosmagazine.